fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile What is going on, Wolfpack? It is your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, here with our first ever live top 200 big board live update. I've done the live ranking show before, but never the preseason big board. So we're thrilled to see how this goes. Hope you can tune in and enjoy. Comment in any questions you have as I go through the big board rankings with you here. Uh, All the training camp, early risers, fallers, all that great stuff. Uh, So keep it in mind. And, and make sure to check out everything from the uh, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. All righty, folks, let's dive right into the training camp news. I'm going to pull up this. Of course, again, ask any questions you have. I already see some people have tuned in and liked. Thanks so much for those. Any shares, likes always go a long way. Hills, uh, that speaker's on. So, uh, yeah. All righty, guys, let's dive right in to the show. Um, early on, the first name I have to cover is Clydesdale Edwards Hilaire. As you can see in my rankings, most of these are going to be live, but I have now moved him up, not just to five above Derrick Henry, but he's going to number four overall for me, Mr. Clydesdale Edwards Hilaire. He's been running with the ones all camp. He's been thriving, looking great in the receiving game, praised by the coaches, praised by Mahomes, the guys who recruited him and made him that first overall pick, that enormous draft capital, have done nothing but rave about him so far in camp. Uh, So fantastic news for him. To me, I I get the rookie risk, but I think that's even less risk than Dalvin Cook. It's not like we've never seen Andy Reid ride a rookie. Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing, and I think Edwards Hilaire could be that much better. At minimum, he's in a better overall offense because he has Patrick Mahomes. So to me, 15, 20 touchdowns, 60 reception upside. I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's all the rage, but if you get him in your late second round, it's a no-brainer. It's a shoo-in. Now, one of the best discussions I had this week, and I'm excited to adjust my big board for it, I said I had a little bit of bell cow fever, and I absolutely meant it. I, I mean, I moved Michael Thomas down past Austin Eckler, and then you get to this range, right? Nick Chubb, Sanders. To me, I'm going Josh Jacobs over them, and I might put Josh Jacobs above even my Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. Why would you do that, Wolf? What's what's so crazy about you? Were you trying to just be a buzzy guy? No. The bell cow phenomenon is very real. I highly recommend anybody watching this check out fantasypoints.com and read Scott Barrett's article. It is such a huge disparity how high the number one running back finishes as compared to his next level replacement, a number 25 running back. Uh, The points differential is the biggest gap by far. So getting bell cows and especially getting two of them, potentially even three, is the biggest by far edge you can gain in fantasy football. It's not even close. So as much as I love Michael Thomas, the highest floor in the game, you know exactly what you're going to get, even if he comes down to earth just a little bit, because now we have Emmanuel Sanders. I get it. Great floor play. PPR, if you if you subscribe to that, I need to know what I'm going to get out of my pick. Then you go Michael Thomas. But to me, I love taking – we're playing this to win the game, and the biggest edge is bell cows. So to me – I can justify going Josh Jacobs over MT. You know, the the injury risk here with Miles Sanders week to week, we're going to cover him later. Ultimately, all the praise from Doug Peterson, Deuce Staley, that he's going to be the absolute feature back. I'm not that worried that he's missed time. I think he's going to be fine. They're taking it easy with him. I'd love to see him get out there and practice. I might move him below a sure thing like Thomas and Adams just until I see him get him out there. But Ultimately, once he's back and practicing, I think I'm going to be having Miles Sanders right there with Chubb. Got some people tuned in. Good to see you, Anthony. Uh, getting J- Josh Jacobs in the second round. I totally agree. It's an absolute steal. And are you worried about Mixon holding out at all? No, no. He's at camp. He's thriving, uh, Mike. He so far so good. Why would he hold out? Why would he show up to camp and then just decide to disappear? I, I think he's all about football. They're talking about how energized he seems. I love Mixon this year. I improved. Line 
line with Jonah Williams, their first round tackle coming back. And then you got a better offense, obviously with Joe Burrow, who's looked the part in early camp. It is obviously early. You don't want to have hyperbole, but they're saying he's in total command. So this offense takes a step forward. And then you look at how the, the coaching staff committed to Joe Mixon down the stretch. In fact, I, as I talk about Joe Mixon, call me crazy, but I think he's got a better shot at bell cow work. I know, you know, Kamara started with so much weighted opportunity last year and then got hurt and it kind of, it all fell apart, but Mixon was the RB four down the stretch last season. Once he took over, uh, it was a ridiculous terms in terms of the goal line, red zone usage spiked from 60% to over 80, uh, his points per game. Again, RB like 30 to RB four. And they've said, we really mismanaged this guy. Like we should have used him better. Uh, so I'm all about Mixon. I'm not worried about a holdout. I'm not worried about him at all. His offense only has room to grow. And I think Zach Taylor is a legit coach from that, that you know, Kyle Shanahan, McVay tree. If he decides to make Mixon the centerpiece he did for the end of last season, all comments so far he's going to. Mixon has as high upside potentially as even this tier. Now, I don't know if I'm going to move him in that tier just because there are some questions. Uh, he's right around this Eckler, Drake. Although I do love Kenyon Drake, you know, getting used. I'm not buying that that Edmonds, he's the, you know, RB1 as well type of talk. No, it's the Kenyon Drake show. They've operated as a one-man backfield. So to me, I, I'm going to have Drake. I'm going to have Eckler. And I think even Jacobs. I mean, everything out of camp so far too is that 60 reception upside is not hyperbole. It's not just, you know, coach speak. He's really thriving and being used in that game so far. I love it. Josh Jacobs, the only thing that didn't happen last year was the receiving usage. So if they've seen the err in their ways and they're going to pepper him, he totally can handle it. I think he's going to be a steal in round two to where he's falling right now. Uh, these other bell cows, it's like, do I put them? You know, to me, there's those 14 guys, these 14 RBs that are clear cut, like RB one upside Aaron Jones, the number two guy last year. It's a matter of how much does AJ Dillon eat into his workload versus how much is it Jamal Williams who's losing it? If we get Aaron Jones for the same role as last year, damn, this is going to be too low on him. I am a little worried about the goal line usage specifically. I get you can like take away seven touchdowns and he still would have been a top seven running back. All that great stuff that there should be some receiving game, a plenty for him. He's a great receiver. Let's think. You got to assume Matt LaFleur decides to actually use him, though. I mean, the guy was blowing up at elite levels when Adams was not in the game, and then he just dis disappeared in the receiving game. Why? Why? What's what's up with McVay? Uh, not McVay. Sorry, LaFleur. And also, it's it's just like you mismanaged Derrick Henry for all those years. I'm not huge on LaFleur at generating a juggernaut. I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit wary of them. So these three, if you subscribe to the full-on Balcower bust could realistically go above Mike Thomas and Devontae Adams. I had some great back and forth on Twitter about that this week. Um, and, and if you guys let me know what you think, like would I be a, an absolute nutbag to go for that? Uh, but to me, again, the, the big news, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is fourth overall after just thriving in that role. And that's kind of my philosophy on bumping down Adams and Thomas. I, and I feel like even if I was at the turn, I wouldn't go Thomas Adams. I would sneak in one of these bell cows. Normally I have Chubb who is falling above these guys, but he's falling because he's got a concussion and he's out right now. Uh, so why don't we actually cover that topic? Cause Chubb's down a little bit and Kareem Hunt in his absence is thriving with the ones old Kareem is back. All the reports are the guys in insane shape and he's just, you know, dominating as you'd expect. Kareem Hunt's one of the best backs in the league. You look at any measures and I'm already pretty high on him here. You know, 55 overall. I don't know if I can bump him too much more above some of these guys. I love, you know, Sutton, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark, Hilton Brown. I mean, it's right there for me. Now, if it's becoming like there's going to be a near even split, okay, I'll have to reconsider. Quick coffee sip. Mm, some delicious cold brew there. Uh, Kareem Hunt, though, huge upside. Obviously, the handcuff upside, you know, top three if something happens to Chubb. But if he's just getting some great receiving work as well, He's the only mid-round. We had a great show last night. Shout out to Tarantino, Tailback Tino, and uh, and Kendall Brown. You guys did an awesome job. Came into the Wolf's Den, our new writers. Mid-round league winners. Check that show out if you haven't seen it. We talked about how Hunt's you know, my only acceptable RB because of the upside receivers you can get in these rounds. I am going to bump up Parker um, over – oops, what did I just – I just moved tier four. I 
do got to get this back up here. My fault. I apparently had something clicked. Um, back down here, I am going to move Parker, who I'm much higher on than the consensus above Keenan, uh, based on last night's discussion, even maybe over Odell, very high on him too. So any guys, you guys tuned into the audience, I'll keep bouncing back and forth between the comments and the points that the, the risers and the fallers that I want to make. So as I'm scrolling, you see something that seems off. If you're looking at this screen and you're like, Wolf, you're a moron. That's why I do the live show. Get happy. Let's go. Let's talk. Uh, and I, I want to eventually figure out ways we can have you guys call in. So anybody who knows how to do that, let me know as well. Uh, but yeah, anything you see on the screen that you don't like, send it my way. I want to keep pulling you guys up all your questions as degeneracy and me say, you know, again, Josh Jacobs round two has been an absolute steal uh, for any of you guys that are doing that. So again, not worried about mixing. Are you a get your own handcuff guy or grab others? I think it's a great question, DiLorenzo. It's something that's been covered quite a lot on Twitter. And I mean, I see both sides to it, especially with the COVID situation going on right now. And then I'm going to get back to the big board and Kareem Hunt guys. Uh, but ultimately, I avoid typically getting my own hand. I just go for the highest upside guys. So in this year, it's like, okay, if, if Drake goes down suddenly, I want to make sure I have Chase Edmonds. But what are the odds that Chase Edmonds also has COVID if that's the, the cause of him going down? In, in hindsight. So is it wise to invest in it? You, you give that yourself that kind of security plan, sure. But ultimately, is that security plan all that secure this year? It's it's a weird year. I think I am going to go lean on more so getting my own security plans just because if Drake has a 99 temperature suddenly or 100, whatever the degrees is, and he's out, hopefully Chase Edmonds comes right into my RB1 and I don't miss a beat because that can cost you a week out of nowhere without any type of backup planning. So I think this year I am getting my own guys uh, in addition to upside uh, other targets, but there's some other late round guys I'm going to cover too that I like. Um, but back to Kareem Hunt folks. Uh, let me just get this comment away. There we go. Uh, I I can't put him above these wide receivers. Maybe Marquise Brown, if I already had three great guys at wide receiver. I'm going to put him above some of these high upside quarterbacks and tight ends, though. I, I love him here. Uh, right there, I mean, honestly, I can see him having more value to your team than a Le'Veon Bell. So I, I'm about it. I, I totally am, am into the Kareem Hunt train. Uh, this is about like 20 spots higher. You can get him in round six and seven often. So just make big note that Kareem Hunt is definitely an early riser. And Chubbs, you know, minus five here. It could become even more significant if he's missing a lot more time. If Hunt continues to force a, a back share, you know, timeshare, it could be all about it. So we got Hunt at top five. Top of fifth too early? I don't think so, rip, rip picks. Uh, I mean, it depends on your team construction. I do like it. And as I was just showing, if there's DK there, Lockett, McLaurin, some of these upside receivers, assuming you've gone bell cow, bell cow, probably bell cow is the next guy I'm going to talk about, Jonathan Taylor. I'll pull it up here. Uh, assuming you're following our subscription and just taking, not subscription, our, our prescription. We don't have a subscription. Everything we do is free for you guys. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor, round three lock button. So assuming you go, Clydesdale, 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 and you don't have a running back need, but you do have a receiver need. You can't pass up on DK. Uh, you can't pass up on those McLaurins, those upside, even Marquise Brown. Um, you, you can't pass up on those guys early round five, Devonte Parker. But if you, you're striving for a running back because you didn't follow that bell cow, bell cow, bell cow, then yeah, I mean, you can totally get Kareem Hunt. He's the only mid-round guy I truly love right now at the running back position. Um, but back to our topic here, the, and the, the bell cow, bell cow, bell cow, the guy that's going to make that possible, I bumped him up. So I, I want to do most of these live, but I couldn't help myself. Jonathan Taylor, all the way up to 26 overall. Look at who I put him above. Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, some huge name wide receivers. And the reason being the hot hand comments that have been coming out. And, and I know that seems just so ridiculous. Okay. Why wouldn't you that before? But if it's only going to take, you know, the, the, the beat writer saying Frank Reich will commit to this guy as if he has a couple games in a row where he's really thriving and the offense is clicking with him in there. 
How is he not going to thrive? This is an elite rushing talent behind a elite offensive line, the best in football, especially in terms of run blocking. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to feast every opportunity he gets. And that's not to say Marlon Mack just disappears and isn't a guy. I, I mean, Marlon Mack is solid. He's definitely been a better, you know, probably better than average running back in, in the league so far. But Jonathan Taylor is just that much better. He's freaking 230 pounds. You've seen the pictures of the guy. I thought it was a defensive end at first glance. And he runs a 4-3-9-40, 99th percentile, you know, ridiculous size speed freak athlete that is not just an athlete, but an actual workhorse. I, we've seen him go for over 2,000 total yards and was it three straight seasons? The guy's an insane runner behind an insane line. I love the line by uh, Ray Garvin, our, our uh, Ray Q, unbelievable line, just saying we mustn't overthink Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Like, let's just be smart about this, guys. And in that sense, he, in terms of round three, otherwise you're looking at Melvin Gordon, who I'm going to bump down in a little bit. Leonard Fournette, Lenny, come on. Like, Chris Carson, I like, but Give me the fresh young legs behind the best offensive line in football. He's going to glide. Pat Fitzmorris, a huge shout out, claimed this guy was going to lead the league in rushing as a rookie. At minimum, if you're not going to bump in your rankings, 700 and a half rushing yards is his over under total. I think he realistically could double that. So Jonathan Taylor, to me, is the round three lock if you're trying to go to that running back, running back, running back route. If you have McCaffrey and you go like running back, Kelsey, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, you got a, a safe floor guy too, Zeke. If you have somebody that you know what you're getting at the top, why not take that stab on JT? There's so many great receivers. Like, and again, I love Allen Robinson, 200 tart. Like he could be a monster. Evan Silva on the pod, you know, convinced me that I need to be higher on Allen Robinson. And he's up here for that. But is, is Teddy Galladay, DJ Moore, these guys giving you that much more than say like AJ Brown, who sometimes falls to the next round, Tyler Lockett, uh, you know, T Terry McLaurin, these guys that you know, you're going to get the receiver position just so deep. Jonathan Taylor has become my round three lock button, folks. So smash that one. 26 overall, only behind like the elite target hogs, the elite QB1s. And even then, I, I but push comes to shove, I'd probably take Taylor above them. Let's get to a couple quick questions. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins thoughts, Deshaun Watson thoughts asks Kevin. Great question. I there's a lot of hate going on for DeAndre Hopkins, and there is some valid, you know, statistics to back it up. How how often wide receivers fall when they switch to a new team? I just think this is an elite talent. In fact, switching to new teams, like we've seen him switch to three different crap quarterbacks: Mate, you know, TJ Yates, Ryan Mallett, Brandon Whedon, and put up. I think Brian Hoyer was the highlight, the uh, Mona Lisa of his quarterbacking that season, and he still put up like 111 yards and 50, 111 receptions and 1500 yards, and I mean, was a dominant force. So. I'm not buying that the, the, the switch to teams is suddenly to, to Kyler Murray, nonetheless, probably the, the second best potential to be the best quarterback he's ever played with. Let's see how far he takes a step forward this year. I, I like Hopkins a lot here. Now he's had the hamstring injury. You do have to build that rapport, the, the historic studies against him, but no offense targeted wide receivers at a higher rate. Just because they didn't have a true alpha last year in terms of targets doesn't mean this offense won't use one. They just didn't have the right talent. I like Kirk. Great number two. Healthy now. Good stuff. DeAndre Hopkins is a bona fide Alpha, number one, very few of those guys left in the game. So I think this could end up being similar to that, that John, let's not overthink Jonathan Taylor. Maybe we don't overthink Hopkins here. Like he's probably going to see 150 targets from one of the better young quarterbacks in the game in an air raid offense that could take a humongous step forward in year two. There's a real chance they go from like the 20th scoring offense to top 10 to top five, like we saw with the Ravens last year. If Kyler becomes that next Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes breakout that so many seem to be lauding. So Ultimately, I think we're overthinking Hopkins a little bit. I do prefer bell cows, so I don't land him too much. But if he's like your keeper, if he's on your radar because you like going receiver, I don't think we overthink him. Uh, in fact, with the latest injury news, you're going to see me bump a few guys below him. Um, so he'll get a little bit bump up in here too. And speaking of this type of tier of receivers, Evans versus Godwin, uh, I got to go Godwin here, even though... 
uh, we're seeing so many highlight real plays coming in camp with Brady connecting with Evans. You just picture it in the narrative makes sense. A bigger, stronger Julian Edelman going over the middle of the field in an offense that throws far more than the Patriots ever have. It's just going to be a playground for Tom Brady potentially in Tampa Bay. If he still has it and Gronk saying this guy's got a stronger arm than he did when I was a rookie. Like the guy hasn't lost a step. His teammates are wowed. So I'm a big fan of Brady. I'm a big fan of this passing attack. I'm not, I see Evans falling to like mid round three, late round three sometimes. And I just don't buy it. That being said, I still take Godwin above him, the number three receiver in fantasy last year, or number two potentially, even if I remember correctly. It's a perfect fit for him. Um, and, and guys, keep the questions coming. I'm going to dive into a couple more talking points, but I love all the questions. Anybody out there, if you don't mind liking, sharing, retweeting, again, that, that means the world to us. I'll sit here and do this all day. Like I, This is my plan right now. So get the questions, keep them coming. Um, but any help with likes, shares is so much appreciated. And thanks so much for your time tuning in so far. Uh, next guy I got to cover, and I think he's definitely too low in my rankings right now, McCole Hardman. So first, let's address while we're up here, Tyree Kill, Hamstring. No real big concern. I don't think we got to start like knee-jerk reacting and moving people. But, hey, I mean, Julio Jones safer. Kelsey a bigger edge. Uh, maybe Hopkins after just raving about him. I like it. We'll revisit and make sure. Um, but McCole Hardman now getting increased times with the ones. Already was getting increased time with the ones just because he's an absolute freak. But now is getting even more guaranteed run because he's got Tyree Kill out. And to me – it's not Sammy Watkins that fills that role. It's obviously not Travis Kelsey. McCole Hardman does what Tyreek Hill does better than anyone else on this team, not named Tyreek. He could be, you could put him in the backfield. You can move him out wide. You can give him reverses, screens, all that creative, get the ball and let him do his thing. That's McCole Hardman track star style. The guy had ridiculous stat here. Covered this with Ian Hart. It's uh, on his podcast, Pro Football Focus. Pleasure, by the way, Ian. Like, Thanks so much. If you guys don't tune into that pod, Ian is an absolute baller. Uh, but we talked a lot about McCole Hardman and you know, 40 plus yard touchdowns. He had four of them tied for the most in the league alongside like AJ Brown, some insane playmaking talent, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill as well, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, and Hardman. Hardman had less than half the targets of any of those guys on only 26 receptions. Four of them went for 40 plus yard TDs. That just tells you how much of a playmaker this guy is, the type of athleticism he brings to the table. And you're playing with Mahomes. Like we've seen Demarcus Robinson, uh, Pringle, Byron Pringle have big games. Like Anyone can have big games with him, never mind a world-class freakish athlete. So when we're stalking our bench, which is where McCole Hardman's going to be. So let's find him first of all, because he's definitely too low. But we're talking rounds, you know, eight to to 10 to 12. You're just stalking your bench at this point. So you want to ask yourself, if X happens, how high up would Y be? And to me, you know, obviously above Deshaun Jackson. Now let's like look here. I love Emmanuel Sanders. I, I like Jamison Crowder. And, you know, if I needed a starter, I would lean those guys. But like Debo Samuel, going to be missing time. I'm not going to take a quarterback above those talents. I'm not going to take James White above those guys. Maybe Philip Lindsay, because, you know, all this news coming out on Gordon will cover in a little bit. Uh, but you got to love like round 10, McCole Hardman. If you're, you've got your receivers set, you got a potential safe flex option, shoot for the fences. This guy is now running with the ones. He probably will remain a starter. And even if not, if we ever do get a Tyree kill out, it's a smash play. You, you hit that lock in button and you don't think twice. So I, I'm a big fan of McCole Hardman. Uh, and just obviously the increased time with Mahomes to build that rapport does not hurt in the least. I also am getting very high on Jonu Smith. Let's find out where he is right now. I bumped him up earlier this week, so this is probably right around where he's going to go, but I said it, and I meant it in the tweet. I bumped him above Rob Gronkowski, and it felt damn good. So, yeah, he's, he's right in this Hardman range. I definitely would take some upside receivers above him, but I love everything we're seeing for this guy. Let's talk about freak athletes. I mean, maybe the most athletic tight end in the 90th percentile for everything. Speed score, burst score, all on player profile. The guy rips it up 
as an athlete, most yards per after the catch per reception after only George Kittle. George Kittle leads that category, uh, but right after him over the last two seasons has been Jonu Smith. You don't want my word for it. Take Bill Belichick, the goat mind in all of football, said Jonu Smith is the best after the catch tight end in football before their playoff meeting last year. The guy has ridiculous upside and ability. Now, is he going to get the usage? He didn't get it last year when Delaney Walker was out. Uh, this is a different offseason. He has a whole time to build a rapport with Ryan Tannehill, which he's been doing all offseason. They've been going to the park, forming that. And then you get the coaches saying, it's fun how many creative plays we can draw up for this guy and the different ways we're going to use him this year. I, I get, yeah, he, he was an every snap guy when Delaney went down last year and never blew up. Different offense, different rapport. Year two under Arthur Smith. He's going to have some creative usage. They're talking about a lot of screens that he's been thriving in camp. So to me, you're looking at upside tight ends. And I, that's how I really like to attack this position is taking two late round guys beyond round 10. Like as much as I have him up here, you're not going to have to take him here. He's not going till round 12, 13. And I like to try to find those you know, Mark Andrews of last year, George Kittle just a couple seasons ago. And I follow those trends yards after the catch per reception, both for Andrews, both for Kittle. You see it with John who all we need is usage. And you're going to tell me Corey Davis motherfucking loser is going to take the snaps away from John who like I, screw Corey Davis. Anybody out there still drafting him, please send me a message and, and tell me why it, joke number two, probably receiver in this offense. We know Henry's not about to catch a hundred balls. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, and so he, He's gotten a nice bump up my rankings. Check out rotostreetjournal.com for my piece on late stream, you know, late round tight ends. I also liked Noah Fant, who I talked about in the article. Eric Ebron, uh, you know, shout out to Pat Thorman. You've helped sway me in on him. A lot of touchdowns. Justin Boone on our pod talked about Ebron. So some other late round tight ends I like too. But the guy I'm definitely going after is Johnu Smith, especially if I compare him, you know, earlier with Hayden Hurst. We all know Hayden Hurst's narrative. You don't need me to reaffirm it. I'll dive back into the comments, but one last guy I wanted to make sure to cover because I'm still not high enough. I saw him on my screen here. Jarek McKinnon. I, I mean, has anybody experienced quite the rocket up boards like this guy? And deservedly so. Actually, both of these guys are going to get a, a bigger bump right here. Uh, I'm going to start with McKinnon. I'll move into Moss. Then we'll get to the comments. But both of these guys need to be higher up boards. And this was already after a big bump. He's already above Tevin Coleman in my rankings. But we're looking at the clear-cut third down back. So he's got more of a role than any of these guys right here. Alex Madison, Latavius Murray, maybe not a bigger role than Henderson. We could reevaluate that. Uh, but those guys are sexy upside handcuffs. If someone goes down, you're getting an RB1. McKinnon could be a very usable RB, you know, flex 80 to you know 60 to 80 reception upside is not without the, the the questions, especially with all these injuries. Jalen Hurd going down, Debo Samuel out. They need receivers to step up. And so far, all the talk out of whatever beat you read for the 49ers has been McKinnon, McKinnon, McKinnon. Looks like he's back and better than ever. You know, 2018 form, the same guy, Kyle Shanahan, got lost in the film watching. I just want to keep, I know if you've watched this show, you've probably heard this rant before. But I need to keep hammering the fact that on standalone value alone, he has the clearest role of any 49ers back. I love Mostert, great zone runner. Uh, he's going to have some nice yardage and some nice TD days, but him and Coleman are vying for the same exact touches. McKinnon has this third down role on luck. Jimmy Garoppolo himself came out and said, we haven't had a running back that can do what he does. It's almost like a receiver the way he's out there. The Athletic even speculated, is McKinnon your deep threat because of how much he's being used in the, the receiving game? They predicted he's going to have more 20-plus yard receptions than anybody else on the team. Like I mean, the hype has been out of control. And I'm all about it. He, to me, he's like a souped up James White. Uh, and we're going to talk about why I'm going down and down on James White in a little bit because Damian Harris, baby, another guy that's going to get bumped up. But like McKinnon, I, I I don't know how high I can go without thinking strongly. I'll stop him here. But even then, I, I'd rather have McKinnon than Brita. I wouldn't rather have him than Antonio Gibson, who's going to take a rocket ship up my board in a second. So don't, don't lose sight of this guy. Um, come on, move, move. There we go. Uh, don't lose sight of Antonio Gibson. He's about to, to rock it up. But yes, uh, McKinnon, uh, there, uh, you know, this might seem hyperbolic, but again, 60 reception upside. I'll probably bump him down a little bit, but 
that type of reception upside in PPR leagues. And then what if he is just the best runner on this team too, and just ultimately takes the gig like Mostert did last year. If we get a three down Kyle Shanahan horse and it falls right now to round 12, 15, like undrafted in a lot of leagues. If, if you've drafted, make sure you check your waiver wire for Jarek McKinnon right now. Uh, this guy is a monster. So when he's healthy, he's a monster. Now let's see him actually stay healthy for a camp. Great valid you know he could tear his acl tomorrow and this would be nothing but to me right now the upside is enormous with jarek mckinnon uh so make sure that you see it you know i i can't take him maybe above you know hardman in good faith but this whole range here depends on your team these are some of my favorite stabs for upside uh and of course again you don't have to pay this price for mckinnon this is how I'm valuing him right now. He's going to go in round 14, 15. Just make sure you have his name circled. Let's get back to some of your questions, comments. I probably have some people saying, how much did you smoke this morning to do that? Uh, some people agreeing they like Godwin more. Um, Taylor, the starter in Indy from the start. Otherwise, I wouldn't take him. Probably not. No, they've already said it's going to be Marlon Mack entering the season. It's just a hot hand situation. So when we meet the Jaguars week one and Jonathan Taylor goes for 120 in a, in a TD on the first like two times he gets the ball, it, it's going to be his job much sooner than later. And if he's your running back too, okay, maybe not. And he's falling around four right now. So you want to take the risk, like take him in round four if you think you'll get him there. But ultimately, uh, he's an absolute stallion behind the best line. It's not going to be long until he takes over. I don't want to overthink this one. Uh, good morning, Giuseppe. Great to see you, man. Got a nickname, Taylor Home Improvement, right? Oh, yeah. Um, my first three picks from my last draft, Kamara, CEH, and Jacobs, unreal in a PPR. Have to go Arby's first. And that's for the team. You tuned in last night. I was like, what was his running backs? It was ridiculous. Kamara, Hilaire, Jacobs. I'm not even that high on Kamara compared to the consensus, but obviously, like, I'd take Hilaire before him. So you're ultimately thinking, did he get Kamara in round two? Okay. And Jacobs in round three. Just a joke. Your team was sickening, Giuseppe. Uh, just rub it in everybody's face. Hey, can't watch. I will later. And it says Derrick Henry five is six. So uh, I'm going Hilaire, especially in PPR uh, tunes, which is what I know you are, full PPR, leaning Hilaire. I, I, I wouldn't be scared of this rookie. We already raved about him, so you've already heard the reasons why if you're rewatching. But I go Hilaire there. Uh, might want to take another look at Gallup 93. Is that are you saying, you know, I'm, I'm too low on him? I'm just – I don't see this the ceiling. I, I, I think C.D. Lamb's a monster – and I think this offense is going to be unstoppable. I think it's a huge aerial pie. So there are very real situations. All of them blow up. I'm going the cheapest one. I'm going CD, you know, freak after the catch. But let me know. Come at me, Degeneracy. Let me know why I'm too low. I will be glad to post it and respond. Um, grab him as well in the 12th prayer, suggesting as a backup to Kelsey Janu. Glad to hear it, Mitchell. Good move. Thoughts on the Raiders receiving core? Uh, you drafted rugs, and then I'm going to get back into the other comments. Keep them coming in, guys, as I go through this. We're just going to keep updating the board um, until it's perfect for your drafts. I drafted rugs, then Mr. Sleeper of the Year, Brian Edwards. I, I, I think it's great to own them both and see what happens. I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts, so I think there will be some serious receiving upside to come out of there, Anthony. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Brian Edwards. I, I like Henry Ruggs going into the slot. There's a, a reason that both could break out. Um, we'll talk about Brian Edwards now. How about that? Um, one of the biggest risers on the board, just someone that wasn't necessarily on my radar all that much. And let me just kind of get this little ticker in here. I should have had that up earlier. But Brian Edwards, highlight right, real plays, running with the ones uh, every camp, just kind of like emerging as the top guy, it sounds like. And, you know, Derek Carr saying it's like throwing – to, uh, and yeah, I ranked him up higher already. Uh, I, I'll probably have Brandon Ayuk a little bit above him, but you know, comparing him, Derek Carr, to Devontae Adams uh, and his college teammates, the way he violently runs his route and attacks the ball, it seems like you see another jump ball play. I'm going to take a Drew Locke over any of these upside wide receivers, so let's kind of fix that real quick. Um, I love Brian Edwards. He's already been bumped up big. He was someone that was like outside my top 200 to a guy I'm clearly trying to get round, you know, 15, 16. I want McKinnon first, clearly the, the, the upside sleeper of the year now. <clears throat> but uh, I do love me some Brian Edwards. Another guy that is going to get bumped up 
right now. All these rookie receivers are really showing out. I mean, it was a historic class. I did say, though, I was going to return to Zach Moss. So let's get back to this guy who I'm far too low on at 119. Uh, so far, and shout out to hat tip to Evan Silva, um, retweeting an athletic article about how Zach Moss in early camp is showing far more than Devin Singletary. Singletary fumbling, struggling to read the blocks. So he gets benched and Zach Moss comes in. And what does he do? But eat. So, I mean, right now you, you're buying him at a price that if he only gets Frank Gore's role, somebody out there shouted out, I forget exactly the number, but ridiculous amount of goal line touches and a ridiculous low conversion rate. Zach Moss is a bull. So if he gets that Frank Gore goal line role, uh, and again, shout it out if you know the exact numbers, it's going to just already be paying off at you know below 100 right now. I'm going to keep bumping him up, actually. Um, I think he belongs above James White at this point because the guy is a bulldog. He can catch the ball very well. I think he graded out like first in terms of yards per route run by Pro Football Focus. Uh, one of the top charted guys in Graham Barfield's yards created. So many metrics favor Zach Moss. And now you're getting a sense that maybe he could overtake Singletary, not just compliment him in a Frank Gore role, but beat writers speculating, you know, it's early, but there might be some games Zach Moss just takes it over. Similar to kind of Jonathan Taylor over Marlon Mack. Why, you know, I, I'm higher on Taylor just because he's a freak. Zach Moss is not Taylor, but he's a very good back. If there's the chance he takes over this, I need to one, be a lot higher on him than I am. Uh, so he's going to be a guy that keeps rising up these ranks as I, as I evaluate them. Um, but also I need to be a lot lower on Singletary and I'm already not very high on him. Uh, I hate David Montgomery as any of you guys know here. Um, I, I'm not, I, but you know, if he could lose the gig Singletary, like why wouldn't I go after a higher upside guy like Antonio Gibson? Like, it's not going to win me any contest because the guy's going to get his touches, but is it ever going to be usable? Is that, you know, he's like an expensive Jordan Howard and Matt Breida in a way. It's just a timeshare guy that could lose the job at any point. So I got to be lower on him. We'll see exactly how low I go later. I got to be higher on Zach Moss. I I'm not going to put Moss ahead of Singletary. I do think Singletary opens the year as the starter, but you won't see Singletary on too many of my teams. And conversely, with Moss as a, a nice discount right now, I could see myself landing him quite often. Uh, so make sure you just note that with your Buffalo running backs as you enter your drafts this weekend. Um, who else? We were just going to talk about – let's talk about Gibson. That's who I want to get on here, Antonio Gibson, uh, because we just saw him in here. And you've already heard me rave about the guy, freak athlete, just in the, the mold of Jonathan Taylor in terms of size, speed freak. Uh, played receiver, so a hybrid type of guy was drafted as a running back. And so far out of camp, you know, the one question with him is why was he only getting 70 touches if this guy is such a ridiculous, like world changing athlete that could break the game? Why has he only touched the ball 70 times across his career? I mean, I don't know, he broke 33 tackles on his 70 touches, a ridiculous, like league leading rate by, by far. Uh, made highlight plays anytime he saw it. I don't know why he wasn't used. I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. But the the matter of the the fact of the matter is it seems like he's about to be used and be used quite quite heavily based on every report. In fact, they call it as if the quarterbacks have Antonio Gibson on speed dial. The way he's getting peppered, he's using the run game at the goal line, getting split out wide, jet sweeps, screens. It, it's like he touches the ball once every two to three plays, and now we're getting that you know talent is about to meet usage for the first time. We have no idea what this guy's ceiling is, but we do know he's created out of the lab. I have no interest in finding what, what David Montgomery is going to do on his touches. I like DeAndre Swift. I, I like Swift more than Akers. I even like Gibson more than Akers the more and more I read about him. Um, if he's going to be highly used, and let's say Alex Smith, you know, everything coming up well for Alex Smith right now, he notoriously loves to check down, play safe ball. It's going to feed right into Gibson's game if he's the guy coming out of the backfield. Now, I know McKissick's also getting praise. You know, AP is still the number one. Bryce Love ran with the ones. So it is congested. It is not a clear-cut backfield. But the fact, again, they, they're kind of just force-feeding Gibson, seeing how he responds, and every report is that he's only met it and exceeded expectations. It's like, all right, 
that there's not higher upside. Like I, Hunter Henry, I don't want Hunter Henry over these running backs. Like get get your fucking ass out of here. I don't want Jared Cook over these running backs. Give me the running backs, the potential bell cows. You gotta love Antonio Gibson and everything happening around him. Tyler Boyd, another guy rising huge up the ranks as AJ Green falls down. I'm gonna bump AJ Green. I'm not going to take AJ Green above these running backs. I get that they have their questions, but I'm not taking AJ Green above them. I bumped up Boyd, who, who was significantly lower in my rankings, about 20 spots earlier this week. All the reports so far, I got to keep him climbing here. Um, I got to keep Edelman climbing here. I, I don't want Cook. I like Cooks. I'm not going to take him over those guys, but I will take Tyler Boyd over Stefan Diggs. And here's why AJ Green goes out short, sure, uh, obviously, just from a target standpoint big for Tyler Boyd, but also even more important with a rookie quarterback in his first NFL action, trying to get a rapport chemistry down with a, you know, whoever he can not having that time with AJ green could be hugely detrimental to AJ and conversely, hugely beneficial to Tyler Boyd. All the reports so far, Tyler Boyd has been thriving on the increased workload. He's become, you know, as he has been the last two years, the clear cut number one receiver here. And he's, he's the guy that Joe Burrow looks to when things are breaking down intermediate routes, short routes, like all over the field. Boyd is just the leader. So ultimately you gotta, you put some stock into that, especially with green gone. The guy's been, you know, look at his numbers the last few years, top 15. Like the guy was one of the most championship rostered guys a couple seasons ago. I'd rather have him than David gross ass Johnson. I, as we just talked about Jarek McKinnon, I meant to bump down, um, you know, Raheem Mostert just, he's not doing it for us anymore because as great as I think he is as a fit, it's, you know, we should have bumped him down as we talked about, but again, Tyler Boyd, since he wide receivers, he's thriving as that clear number one. You got to pay attention to that. I think he's going to go very undervalued in drafts. You can get him as your three. He's going to be right back to high end wide receiver two auctions. Nobody wants him. You'll get him for cheap. Tyler Boyd, a great guy to have on the radar based on how camp has gone for him so far. And I'm just going to hit another guy you just saw down there, Ronald Jones. Clear-cut number one back, promised all he can handle. And so far, that's been the case in camp. So, uh, you know, a shot at a true bell cow. I already know David Johnson, what he brings to the table. Yeah, he's got a smoked-out visor today, and he's looked jacked in the picture. Like, David Johnson's a piece of shit for last year. He's one of those guys just don't go back and on after he he screws you over in four out of your five leagues. So I ultimately know I'm biased. I will admit my bias up front. I'd rather get, you know, what happens with Ronald Jones if he gets the 250 rather than know David Johnson is going to get the 250 and not be excited about what happens, just like David Montgomery. Ronald Jones is looking in line for the 250, the goal line work. All reports in camp is he's, he's making every highlight run play that, that comes from every day. And he's improved as a receiver. Brady, you know, worked with him on his routes. They've got tried to get their timing down. I'm getting more and more aboard the Rojo 2020. I know it's a pretty divisive crowd. Like people that like Rojo love him. People that hate Rojo hate him. I'm starting to fall in love. What's not to love? I already raved about this offense and how many points they're going to generate, how many yards they're going to generate. It's a matter of do they give him enough work at the stripe to make it matter? Can he capitalize on the 12, 15 touchdown upside he has, hit that 1K rushing? I mean, it's there for Ronald Jones. The line's improved. I I like it. If he can knock down the receiving role. Now, LaShawn McCoy, a great pass protector, probably going to be in there for the majority of third down roles. But if we get bell cow Ronald in this offense, a bell cow in this offense, I don't care how good he is. Like, you know, Leonard Fournette was a bell cow in a crap offense last year and still had a running back seven season with everything going wrong for him. A bell cow is a bell cow and Ronald Jones could be a bell cow. So, you know, he's a guy you got to keep bumping up, maybe not above Kareem Hunt, even though he's not a bell cow, uh, not above Evan Ingram, but Ronald Jones, a nice bump up, a, a guy that I am getting behind here. I uh, want to keep reading more and more about him in camp and tracking him, but the upside, the, the ceiling is very, very real uh, for Ronald Jones where he lines up here. Let's get to some of your guys' comments and questions. Um, big board update and Madden release day. What a Friday. AJ green is your third receiver thoughts. Great question. Do Lorenzo. And yes, I, I'm glad you're enjoying the big board update. I'll do this every Friday just to make sure you guys are up to date 
for your, your, your drafts coming up. I'll have school at some point, so I might have to do it later in the day. But yes, I think this makes sense to do every Friday. I'm loving this. Keep the comments coming for me. Um, but yes, and man release great stuff. Uh, AJ Green's my third. I, I guess I see the upside. Let's go back to AJ Green actually, before we move on, um, and, and see where I finalize him. I mean, I'd rather have the upside of Fuller. I, I, I don't want AJ Green that badly. I mean, I won't put him below John Brown, but the hamstrings already popping up. I waited on him all last year and he screwed me over. I'm not sitting here excited about AJ Green as my third. I thought he was going to be my third all last year. He never showed up. He's already dinged up. Like, I get that he could be an alpha league winning number one if everything bends right. To me, and me, it's getting more and more likely that it doesn't bend right, especially with Tyler Boyd thriving in his absence. So, AJ Green, a definite big faller for me, uh, not somebody I'm overly into. Degeneracy and me saying number six. So, we're talking about Gallup here in receiving yards a game, number 10. Yeah. And what has changed? CD Lamb has come in. I guess I'm just way higher on CD Lamb than most normal folks, uh, most sane folks, some might say. But CD Lamb, I just see eating into his workload. They call him an alpha. They, you know, they call him a potential number two, it, all at the shade of Michael Gallup, who's a great player. The guy did some great things, but a lot of it came in week 17 where it didn't matter for you. You look at like how often he was actually usable, it was pretty boomer bust. You had injured Amari Cooper for a lot of that too. Now he's back and healthy. Uh, to me, you know, Gallup. Sure, maybe he has the talent to take over that number one role. If he becomes the Devontae Jordy of McCarthy's scheme, goddamn, I am way too low. I think that's clearly out, uh, you know, um, Amari Cooper. I think he's just a true number one in every sense of the form when he's healthy. Uh, and I think CeeDee Lamb could realistically just jump in as a far better Randall Cobb was last year. And he's going to find so many easy looks. It's going to be tough to go away from. Never mind Zeke. Pollard at increased role. Like it's just so many mouths to feed. The pie will be huge. I'm still not about it. You know, maybe it feels low. People argue with me last night. It's too low, but it's one that I'm not sitting here. You know, that, that I, I I'll go down on that hill. If Gallup blows up and is the number one and I don't have them, then shit, I, I was dead wrong. I don't, I just, there's more upside to me. I, I'm not going after him. Random, but Brian Edwards over rugs by a long shot, says Dylan Adams, as we talked about the Ravens receivers. And is Debo going to be worth a grab before we get back into some some more news and names? Yes, but it depends on the price. Like I, who knows how long he's going to be out there. Whenever he gets back on the field, we already saw what he can do and it's incredible. And that was as a rookie. So if, if we get healthy Debo, they're not going to rush him. There's no need to rush him. And, and that's going to lead us to talk next about Brandon Ayuk. So I'm just going to cue that up real quick. We'll get to Brandon Ayuk in a second. Um, Debo is 100% worth a grab. He, he's a great player, great talent in an offense that fits his run after the catch abilities to perfection. A tough motherfucking runner. Like I love watching Debo play. I want him on my team as a bench guy. Just a matter of who are you having to sacrifice? Who can you not take over him? So it depends on the price. If he's fallen beyond 100, let's look up where you know, where do I have Debo right now? Um, and if it comes out, he's going to go on the PUP. We have to adjust. But yeah, I like this You know, right here. I, I can't take McKinnon above him. Hardman, Debo, like it's, I, I like Debo. As long as it's not a, a huge extended absence, Jake Knight. Um, I, I, that's That's what I'm going for here, right around here. But the, the the risk lingers, and let's talk about some Brandon Ayuk action here. Um, there's two tr- you know camps of thought here, and I, I'm in the middle of both. So so I want to flesh them out here for Brandon Ayuk. The first is Kyle Shanahan says he's further along than any rookie normally is. He's playing with the ones. He's getting moved all over, and he's responding as a number one wide receiver right now. Great, a good offense that should move the ball. Could be in some shootouts. I like it. Then there's the the you know, Trevor Sikama came on and it made some great points on our podcast about how you know can he be that number one? Does he need a number one there, or is he gonna when, when he struggled in college? It was against press coverage. It was when they could get to the line, get their hands on him. He didn't perform like a true alpha that could break from it. When you can move him all over, when you can put him in the slot, when you can scheme up touches and screens for him, he thrives. He's great, and that's what this offense is. So I like his fit in it. But are they going to be able to put number one corners on him and take him out of the games is at risk. Now, I'm not going to have him above Jalen Rager. I, I want all of these wide receivers, though, not Sterling Shepard. 
Um, Mike Williams, I like. I like Ayuk more. I like all these guys above these running backs. Um, so we keep bumping these guys in. I like them above these quarterbacks because, again, quarterback, I'll, I'll take Teddy Bridgewater as my one in the last round. I, you don't need to hear that rant again, but I, I don't need those quarterbacks. Carry on Johnson. Like, this is some guys that I just, why draft them? What do they bring to the table? There's those guys every year, just like, why? Um, and, and I'm going to go with these wi- upside wide receivers instead. Um, Brandon Ayuk being one of the more important ones. I like Rager now, you know, above these upside handcuffs. This guy, we'll talk about Rager. Let's stick to Ayuk. I think this is pretty fair range here, maybe above rugs because he's got a clearer cut role. We'll get to Rager in a second. Um, he's a number one potential receiver in a good offense right now. But when Debo comes back, is that a helpful thing? Is it a, Does it hurt? We'll find out. But yeah, I, I like Brendan Ayuk. I'm, I'm going to bump down like, you know, Marlon Mack and other those guys. Why? Why? Why do I have Marlon Mack on my team? Like, it, it, good back. It's Taylor's show. You know, I don't need these tight ends. It depends on my roster, but these guys, a lot of these, you know, running backs, these upside receivers are bringing more to the table in terms of upside. So I feel like I got to reevaluate just like the whole board in some ways. Um, and I won't do it all right now, but I like taking some upside stabs on rookie wide receivers in this range. Um, and AU being one of them, a big riser further along than your typical rookies and locked in to the starting role. Um, definitely deserves to get some good bumps up as does Mr. Jalen Rager, the talk of Twitter. Let me pull this up. Be moved all over making plays. I'm just going to let's, let's just play the game. Where do you put him first? I do, do, do keep bumping him up. I want right here. McCole Hardman. Like this is the range Jalen Rager belongs. I was way too low on him. I'm admitting my faults. I'm confessing my sins way too low on Jalen, but let me just read you some blurbs. If you need some convincing uh, on Twitter that we've seen the last day, Carson Wentz compares Jalen Rager to Julio Jones explosive and can do something. The best receivers in the NFL can do and that they've been watching a lot of film together and building a strong relationship. Ooh, pants down. Jalen Rager, very active, catching every ball thrown to him from Carson Wentz. A lot over the middle, too. Mmm, pants lower. Then we got Jalen Rager has the swag of a big-time receiver. He's exceeding all our expectations, starting to put things together. Uh, Workman-like ability, explosion, speed, all stand out. Oh, getting great. But now what I even like more, he's lining up at X and two receiver stats with the one. So clear-cut, locked-in starter, and then kicks into the slot for three wide receiver sets. So he's not ever coming off the field. He, he's clear alpha already uh, moving all over the place. He's their, their number one. So what's else to love? The, the guy has been just a ridiculous receiver at the college level because of his freakish athleticism, despite having by far the worst QB play in the, in the, you know, at NCAA, I need to get a little bit higher. Like I, what am I doing with him down this low? Again, you get to this, like, Sanders Crowder, are they going to be more useful week to week? Maybe, but give me the shot at a guy that just freaking explodes. And that's Jalen Rager. Like it it could totally be Jalen Rager. So I'm all about him. And and I think this is going to be huge. I think it's huge for Wentz to have this element as well. I I think he needs a little bit of a, a reconsideration. Um, where do I have Wentz? Wentz. I might have him, you know, I'm going to bump, you know, Josh Allen struggling in camp. Breeze is breeze. You know, I like it. But Wentz, with some number ones now, I think we see that you get that vertical element back to your game. And we could see a return to that MVP. Like, what was that, 2017 Wentz? We had 33 touchdowns in only 13 games. was on pace for over 40. Like, that that could realistically happen because that was with – Tory Smith stretching the lid. Now you got a healthy DJX who was apparently as fast as he's ever been. Plus you got Jalen Reger thriving in this early role. Uh, I love, love, love Jalen Reger. Uh, we'll be writing about him, Zach Moss, some of these guys throughout the weekend to, to make sure I have all my thoughts fully recorded. But yeah, there, there's nothing but praise for the guy getting moved all over clearly ahead of pretty much everybody else. Even with all these other receivers like JJ Arcega returning, Jalen Reger has been well above all of them. So make sure he is high on the radar, folks. I'm a guy that definitely needed to be covered. 
Other than that, we've kind of covered, we, we talked about Rojo, Zach Moss, a few other sleepers, you know, Brashad Perriman, showing immediate chemistry with Darnold. So let's kind of dive back in here. Um, well, not Darnold. I could give two shits about Sam Darnold, but Perriman, uh, 152. I mean, higher than consensus, but I think belongs in this range of like, uh, you know, Judy Washington, some deep threats, maybe above James here, even though he led the, the Steelers in receiving, everybody seems to forget. Um, I, I like Bouchard Perriman as a late round stab. The guy has so many metrics. Check out Evan Silva's recent tweet, like second in yards per catch over the last two seasons. I know that, you know, 40% of his catches went for 20 yards and like 30, 23% went for over 30, which were both the highest rates in the league. Uh, he, he operated as a true alpha for the games that he was featured. And so far he's been featured at Jets camp, 70 yard touchdown two days ago, 50 yard touchdown yesterday, just hooking up all over the place. It, it, then you're also seeing gushing praise on Crowder. You're seeing gushing praise on Herndon. So it's like, okay, are we all of a sudden like in on Darnold and Adam Gase? No. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sitting here saying you got to go after your Jets. Give me McCole Hardman. Give me the, the better offenses and the, the better upside because of it. But Perriman, again, operated as a true alpha last year, was on the most championship rosters of any team or any player, rather, in ESPN leagues, and could just pick up where he left off. He says we've only just seen the tip of the iceberg. Let's see if that's true. So far in camp, all reports are that he is thriving. And the last two notes, a very important one. I didn't mean to say this to the end, but Melvin Gordon down, Philip Lindsay up. I'm not going to go too high on Lindsay, but let's start with Melvin Gordon. Comes in, says, oof, this, this, you know, Denver is very, very real. Uh, the, uh, the air there, right? The altitude comes in and says, you know, I, I'm struggling. I'm not in great shape right now. Suffers a rib injury, gets knocked out of practice. Philip Lindsay, meanwhile, thriving, looking as good as he's ever looked. As much as I think the team wanted Melvin Gordon to be their bell cow, they said it right off the bat. You know, Shermer, their new offensive coordinator, a bell cow breeder. That's why I have Gordon so high up here is that I like the player. I like the talent. And I love a bell cow row in an offense that I think takes a good step. But everything so far, uh, you know, as he's missing time, Vic Fangio coming out and saying, you know, it's going to be unclear who our starter is because these guys are both going to get plenty of run. I can't sit here and and ad- advise and advertise Melvin Gordon as a bell cow if the team isn't going to be in on him as a bell cow, if he's not on the field right now to establish that bell cow role, and if Philip Lindsay's outperforming him right now. So, like, to me, I, I you know, even Gurley, better bell cow upside. James Conner, better bell cow upside. I don't want to overreact on a guy I've been preaching this offseason, a guy I took in a lot of best ball early on. But we have to adjust. We can't just sit here and act like it's nothing that this guy's out of shape, that he's injured, and that he's being outplayed right now. Uh, you know, the upside of a bell cow roll makes him worth this probably range, but certainly not over some of these upside wide receivers, certainly not over Jonathan Taylor, as I advised earlier this offseason, uh, and not over Fournette, Carson, like I'm going to go running back, not over Andrews, um, Joe Zach Earth is edge gaining tight ends. I, I can't do it. I'd rather have Lockett over Gurley. I, I love the Lockett over Keenan. Let me fix that up real quick. Uh, DK probably over Keenan too. Um, yeah, I, I like this. Like I like these upside receivers. I'm assuming I have three bell cows. And then I, if not, I could dip into this t- tier a little early. To me, Connor's probably the highest upside out of this group because you know you're getting the, f- the featured back for however long he lasts. I just call it you know, whatever. It's unfortunate. I think the dude is a little more brittle than your average back. Maybe it's his playing style. He's a bruiser that invites contact. I love that about him. I hate it about his fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy health, his own health, because it, it could lead to more injuries, obviously. Um, and that seems pretty good for Melvin Gordon. Now, do, do I give, you know, Philip Lindsay a huge bump in his absence? I love Lindsay as a player. Uh, I really do. Where do I, where do I have Philip Lindsay? I probably have him a little higher, you know, right, right around here, maybe a bump over Brita and Howard, just cause he's a better player than either of those guys. And now might see a significant role. I do like that Miami dolphins backfield though. Chan Gailey, you know, he's right around this area. I'd still, you know, have to take my upside here. He's probably right where I had him. Like I, you know, Gallup and CD lamb. I'd rather have that. And Zach Moss, it's an interesting one there, but this is probably right around where I have Lindsay. 
Um, I don't see myself stabbing him in too many leagues, more of a late round guy uh, if I had to. And the last note before it just becomes open mailbag the rest of the way, the last guy I have to look at, Damian Harris. He's getting all the first team work right now. Lamar uh, Miller hasn't practiced. Sony Michelle hasn't practiced. And Harris is only responding at an elite level right now. Every report saying he's been a monster, a standout, uh, thriving in goal line work, thriving, especially important right now with his hands. Uh, the, the report was on the first day yesterday when Cam really started to establish himself as the number one. Damian Harris caught a short pass over the middle. Later, he catches another, then another, then another, all from Newton. Finishes no huddle session, reeling in four of his six passes. Like, that's that's a guy that's flashing three-down ability. James White, of course, is that third-down back. Uh, you know, could be even a split-out wide receiver. But everything is that he's decisive. He's elusive in traffic, powering through the line for goal-line touchdowns. Like, this could the, – the upside's there that – he ultimately is that like 2016 LeGarrette Blunt or whatever year that was where Blunt, nobody wanted him. Nobody was really thinking about him, but everyone else was kind of hurt. And Blunt just was having a camp where he was steady, dependable, available, and ends up running in for 16 touchdowns. Like that could happen with Damian Harris. It's going to be a run centric attack. We know that. So all this is to say, I'm definitely too low on him uh, as the potential Patriots starter. 162. Let's, adjust that like over Sony Michelle at this point, no doubt. It's it's beyond upside handcuff territory too. I'd have him above Max Scott's Edmonds, like over AP. I mean, he's a better, more upside than any of these guys. So I, I like him here. I, I know this again, I don't want to seem like I'm overreacting. I'll dive back in. Let me know if I seem crazy. But if we're getting the number one guy in this backfield, now it's the Patriots offense, so I want to talk myself down a little bit. James White will be involved. Rex Burkhead will probably have touchdowns. They're always a kind of a nightmare for running backs, so let's kind of taper it down a little bit. But again, they they have had guys, especially the clear-cut goal line guys, score 12, 15 touchdowns. Mike Gillisley for a while was valuable on touchdowns alone. So Damian Harris could have that style upside. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's somebody I was too low on. And now that's why I've been bumping down, you know, James White. It's why right now I'm going to bump down Sony Michelle even further. Like what he's another, you know, Marlon Max. Why, why draft him? I guess right here is like, fine. Like, you know, I don't, why, why draft Sony Michelle? Why? Nothing. There's no answer that I think I could really accept. Um, so I'll look through here and see if there's players I like, cause I clearly don't like him. Um, that I can bump above Sony Michelle here. I, I, you know, the upside of DeAndre Washington certainly belongs above him in case something ever did happen to Clyde or it ends up being a committee. Let's get back now, though, to all your your waiver wire questions, anything you have um, for us. So we got to, is Debo worth a grab? Um, Ayuk all day at his ADP. I agree, Mike Clay. You know, true number one featured potential upside there. Darius Slayton, New York Giants, your thoughts? I think someone very valuable is going to emerge from the Giants, maybe multiple. If Daniel Jones takes a step forward, then definitely. And I like Jason Garrett to, to help Daniel Jones take a step forward. For all his faults, he's done a good job with QBs in his career, Jason Garrett. Dak you know, got helped by Jason Garrett. Tony Romo helped by Jason Garrett. We'll see. I guess this will be a good test. Can Daniel Jones take that next step under Jason Garrett? But he's always been pass happy, so I think the volume will be there in the air. It's a matter of which guy ends up being his top one. Golden Tate was off in it for last year. There were stretches when it was Shepard. And then there was definite stretches where it was Slayton, probably my favorite of the three, the most likely to emerge as the clear-cut guy. One of them will probably finish top 25. If you look at Jason Garrett's history, he's never had a receiver, even in crowded receiver cores, finish outside the top 20. Now he had the Des Bryant and he had some great talents, T.O., but there is a history here with giant, you know, Jason Garrett and his wide receivers and his passing game production. If that all translates and there is a narrative, it could. One of those guys should be top 20. I think Slayton's probably the best bet, but it is cloudy. It's not something I sit here and say, I'm going to bang the table for Slayton. Um, but there's upside there. there. There certainly is upside there. And then we got Mitchell saying McKinnon, that uh, then over Mac McKinnon's available on waivers. I'd make sure to get him. I'd like to know who else you have, Mitchell, if you're still tuned in. Um, because I don't know if I want to drop Mac yet for him. 
I want to see him make it through training camp. Let's, you know, we got to see that first. There's risk with McKinnon. I shouldn't sit here and say like, it's a lock. The guy hasn't stayed healthy in two straight years in, in training camp, nonetheless. But if you have like a, a handcuff, you're just sitting on Chase Edmonds, one of those style guys, I go McKinnon. I do. I, I think the upside, the standalone value is clearer cut than the handcuffs out there right now. And there's handcuff upside to him in the fact that he might just be the best pure runner on this team. Um, so I, I don't think I bumped Marlon Mack all the way below McKinnon. I, I might have Marlon Mack. Yeah, I, I'm a little, a little too low there on Mack. Thank you for the, uh, the wake-up call. Um, but ultimately, you know, McKinnon does bring more to the table. Like in terms of ceiling, Mac is a nice floor. And I always advise upside, 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 but you got to have at least a handful of buffers. Cause there's definitely a world where Taylor eats and Mac is still pretty damn good. Like the Colts will probably try to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game. That's going to try to be their MO and they're probably going to be pretty damn successful with it, depending on if the defense allows them to maintain those scripts. Uh, that's what, you know, Reich wants to do. So in that case, if we're getting, you know, 15 Taylor, 12 Mac and like a smattering of Heinz, they all could be solid. It's just a matter of does the defense allow that? Um, ultimately, you know, Taylor's my guy, but yeah, Mac, you can't just drop here. You got Bell and Ingram as well as Pollard. I think you can give consideration to, to McKinnon over Pollard. I get the handcuff upside with Pollard. If something happens to Zeke, league winner, I think you get some nice value to start with McKinnon. And the, that type of ceiling is also baked in, uh, in addition to the standalone value that you're already getting. So I think I go McKinnon over Pollard. Um, I wouldn't cut any of those other guys, Mitchell. Alrighty, guys, that's all I've got for my updates. I'll look through, I'll publish this, you know, within the next 30 minutes and kind of reevaluate any of my crazy calls. Let me know if there's anything you're like, you missed this. You're, you're too low. You're too high on that. Um, but ultimately, I, I feel pretty good about some of these changes. I think that, you know, it's going to be a weird off season to navigate. We'll try to do these at least once a week. If it's helpful to do a multiple, we can definitely try to squeeze that into uh, before the weekends. Definitely. We'll always get you these top 200 updates. So you go into drafts with the most up-to-date rankings. Um, so, so thanks to everyone that tuned in is an absolute pleasure. Always doing these with you guys. Uh, next week, we're going to have a very clear cut live show schedule, you know, three times a week in the mornings, most afternoons with a daily daily uh, draft wizard, and then also a couple podcasts, some great guests lined up that we now can stream live. So you don't want to miss it. Some other great stuff too. Fantasy beat writers coming on next week. Uh, lots and lots and lots of exciting stuff for the live stream. I'll have a clear cut schedule released on Sunday. So stay tuned if you like these, have your questions ready. Um, and great, great time guys. Thanks so much again for tuning in. The wolf is out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.